Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, my dear friends and faithful listeners. Have I mentioned how intelligent and good-looking you are lately? My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have Amy Blaschke. Amy Blaschke sings with the voice of an angel who has spent a lot of time looking after earnest, lonely people with broken hearts. Her singing voice isn't exactly airy. It is too grounded in alto earthiness to abide flights of vapid soprano fancy. But neither is it husky, because it possesses far too much buoyancy to keep her enchanting melodies from doing anything but soaring. The 11 songs that make up Blaschke's upcoming fifth album, Opaline, veer from strutting triple-meter Nico Case blues to gentle, finger-picked indie folk songs that sound like lost Nick Drake classics, with a heavy helping of breezy 60s pop to bind it all together. Blaschke's melodies share the same balance of the consonant and dissonant aspects of Drake's music, and producer Brian Whelan's deft touch brings everything into a soft focus that lets Blaschke's new batch of songs shine in their best light. On the whole, Opaline seems born of a world in which Wilco releases an album of Stephen Sondheim's most revered songs. It would be hard for listeners to not fall in love with Blaschke's Opaline, and to fall in love with her for making it. Welcome to Independence Day, Amy Blaschke. Hi, Amy. Hi, Joe. How are you? Doing great. How are a, you? I'm, I'm fantastic. You have such a wonderful smile. Thank you. It's interesting. So you. Like you, you smile. Thank you. You smile easily, which is one of my favorite things about human beings. Like you'll be sitting there, and I'll just say something to you, and you'll just whoop, you'll like flip <laughs> into this this giant smile. So everyone should look at pictures of Amy Blasky and listen to her music because she's a beautiful human being. The first thing I want to dive into. Well, you've got a brand new record coming out very soon. It's called Opaline. Yes. Um, which if it, if it's half as good as the songs we're about to hear today, it's going to be a thousand times better than everyone thinks it's going to be. So everyone should pick that up. It's going to be on vinyl too, but the yes. terms of which are still being negotiated. But that'll be, we're looking at October or so for release. So not that far off. Yeah. And time flies. Early early fall. Early fall. Um, so I mean, we'll, we'll touch on that a few more times through the course of our talk today. But what I want to ask you first, I don't know that terribly much about you and maybe neither does the listening audience. So give me your baseball card. My you baseball know, card. You know, you know, some baseball cards. Sure, and tell, yeah. Like your stats uh-huh. and your RBI and all that kind of stuff. Like if if you were to tell someone, like you had you had two minutes to give them the elevator pitch about what you what is you like what is you what are you sure. who are you? I'm from Seattle. Um, been down here since 2009. Started playing shows up in Seattle. You know, around 16. Started recording. Um, 99 and just been playing ever since. Uh, Gone to some school, worked some jobs. Spinning around the planet and trying Spinning to Spinning around on. the planet, yeah. I've loved, uh, I've lost. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. That's what makes our songs good. So, uh, go now, now go, that's like the baseball card. Go a little bit deeper now. Like, what picture would you put on that baseball card, you know, if you're going to hand them out? Like, is it a picture of you, like, in a ballerina outfit? Are you wearing a bunny suit? Are you on stage uh, with a guitar? Are you maybe on top out of in a, the desert. Are you on top of a mountain? Okay, in the desert. Yeah, Tell yeah. me why. Out in the wilderness, I'm just an avid fan. Love hiking, camping, being out in nature always feels good. And how does that tie to your music? Like, do you think that that love of the outdoors um, is reflected in your music in any way? Well, I think they do similar things um, as far as feeling connected and in solitude at the same time. You know, there's kind of the expansive connectivity. I feel that when I'm writing or when I'm camping. Do you tend to, when you go to nature, do you write more in nature? No. 
No, I, I write in a dark, closed-off space. Okay. I now, like more womb-like than <laughs> the great outdoors. Okay. Uh, now, now, when you are writing, though, do you mentally like project yourself being in a space like that? Like, um, I, I guess what I'm getting at. I like at to is- have stuff up around. Yeah, I have like um, you know uh, some images of nature, and I'm a big you know like nature textile fan. Uh, so yeah, I definitely when I'm writing, I'll you know kind of fixate on okay. on things around the room. Okay. But um, but I don't, I don't, I, would, I wouldn't say that I travel when I'm writing. Okay. Well, what I'm getting at is that some people who feel a very deep connection to nature, uh, and I would kind of include myself in that. Um, some some of those artists incorporate it into their art. Like you get a very strong sense of place from mm. their art. And some artists, you know, like when you think of, I'm trying to think of an artist who would be like that, like, uh, you know, Grant Parsons in the desert is right. a good example mm-hmm. of like the eagles and open spaces in the American West sure. and uh, the Ramones in New York, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like your sense of place, yours, for being someone who loves nature so much, it seems like they're they're not really exactly connected directly mm. to me. At Maybe least. I would be the car trip, you know, meandering okay. up to Big Sur or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's your music but, seems um, to be... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm not like um, a direct storyteller. I'd say it's more impression. Mm-hmm. Um, impressions. You okay. know, I like a little vagueness. Yeah. Well, leave it open. The interpretation from the listener is is key. Because if you tell them too much, I mean, that's kind of, I feel like the hallmark of bad songwriting is if you tell them too much. Yeah. The the listener has to draw their own conclusions. And that's, yeah. what, that's what makes people come back to that style of music. Yeah, they have to have room to take ownership. Yeah, I mean, even people like you know, we were talking about Neil Young mm-hmm. before, and we were setting up, and how he's the Cadillac of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a master at that. And there's this people <clears> who set those scenes. You know, uh, Tom Waits always puts places in his songs. Mm, yeah, you know, I, I saw don't some, do that. Some weird Facebook meme about all the places in Tom Waits' songs, huh. as if it was a bad thing. And I was like, "What? He's a genius. That's, That's cool. awesome. It gives right. you that sense of place." Anyway, uh, Amy Blaschke is our guest this week on Independence Day. She's a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter. She's originally from the Seattle area. Beautiful up there, lush, very different climate. Uh, been down here for a few years, as we just heard. She's got a brand new record coming out in just a couple, two, three months here uh, called Opaline. And let's hear a track from that. The first one we've picked is called Walking with the Rise. This is one from the album Opaline, Amy Blaschke on Independence Day. There's a road I like to walk along sometimes It's dusty and it's lonesome but it's mine And if I find some love of mine is leaving me behind You can bet I'm kicking dust walking with the rise Meet me at the station if you're kind Drop me off or pick me up Just leave me peace of mind For if I find some friend of mine Is leaving me behind You can bet I'm kicking dust Walking with the rise just walk alone 
with the song Walking with the Rise on Independence Day. That is a brand new song from a brand new album. It's not available yet, so you're getting a little bit of preview. That's uh, The record will be called Opaline, uh, produced by your friend and mine, Brian Whelan, also a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter, striking out on his own from Dwight Yoakam's band. Um, now, you've done several albums before. You know, mm-hmm. you're, this is your, uh, by count here, fifth. fifth or so. So you've been, and, and when did you do the first one in... 99. 99. Okay, so they're fairly spread out mm-hmm. in time. And you've done different combinations. You've got kind of bands mm. and duos and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you set out to do this new batch of songs, um, what made you choose, for example, or specifically, what made you choose Brian to work with Brian? Right. And then how did that then change or affect these particular songs? Right. Um, so I've known Brian for a little while now, and I'm you know a big fan of of his music and... Um, and then he was working with Rod Melanson and, uh, you know, I hadn't known Brian to be a producer, but, um, that sounded like a really good idea. And my, a previous album, Night Canopy, I worked with a a multi-instrumentalist, Nick DeWitt, and that was a really great experience. You know, someone that can hear and play everything that comes to mind, you know, I think that's a really powerful tool. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just um, all around fan of, of Brian as a writer, as, you know, I've seen him perform with a lot of other people uh, and do that really thoughtfully, tastefully. I think the word he used was sympathetically, you know. And um, actually, I'm very good friends with his girlfriend, Rachel Kruk. And, hi, Rachel. Uh, hi, Rachel. We love you. And uh, nice we were having you. dinner for her birthday. Hey, by the way, I, I need to yeah. jump in. Uh, plug for Rachel. Yeah, plug for Rachel. Uh, keep up with the non-smoking. Oh, <laughs> go girl. The last time I talked to her, she was just a few weeks in and she was very aggro about it. Yeah. So Rachel, we're all behind you. Yeah, that's no a smoking. tough one. We love you. No smoking. Stay no stay smoking. around for no as smoking. long as possible. Okay, go on. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted that's to get right. there. That's all right. That's a good, go good on uh, so you're friends plug. With, you're friends with Rachel. Friends with Rachel and we were celebrating her birthday and it was um, in January and, uh, you know, I had been feeling kind of the undertow like it's time to record again I've got all these songs like and I have a, I had a lot of songs at that time spanning quite a number of years and um you know it was kind of like how do I get started when do I get started and uh, you know hanging out for Rachel's birthday and I just you know it across occurred to me Brian do you want to produce it you're going to be around next month so it all happened very quickly he was available we recorded in February and we did, um, so I started sending him, I mean, quite a number of tracks, I don't know, 15 or so. No, more than that. Um, 
And it was it was really great to just kind of get a sense of, okay, of all this material, what do you think would go together for an album? And we did a lot of pre-production and he really, really helped refine. I mean, there's quite a number of the songs that we did where some of the changes, you know, subtle arrangement um, changes that he made really, really tuned up the songs. And uh, yeah, so it happened very quickly. Mark Rains was available and, you know, Brian wasn't on the road. So we, we went in and did... Um, I guess about a week of live tracking. Okay. Now, when you say you send him songs, because I always imagine like sitting oh. down in a room with somebody right. and then have them <clears throat> play your producer the songs and then they go, oh, you know, let's do this or that or whatever. Right. Like, but you you sent him stuff. Like right. Fun, we started files. with, yeah, I have, I mean, I'm, you know, make a practice of uh, self-demoing. And so, you know, gathered demo versions of all this material and started there. And then, um, you know, we both kind of made some notes and then got together and, you know, we did several, several pre-production meetups and kind of went through and, you know, played them together and then also listened to some of the home demos and talked about okay. what some of the strategy might be. So it was a combination. Once you sent him the tracks, then yeah. you got together uh-huh. and then actually physically oh, yeah. played them. Uh-huh. Okay, I see. Yeah, and um, we're both, you know, the kind of meeting ground... We're both big fans of, um, you know, any of the Traveling Wolverines. Okay. And then also Fleetwood Mac, the album Tusk. Um, we had a, a time to um, uh, sing and duet one time for one of those tracks. And um, and that, that album, what I love about that band is just the kind of multiple perspectives, the okay. change in mood. So in bringing a bunch of songs from a long period of time, the idea was how do we put together an album that really has a, a changing mood? And because I've done a lot, we talked about this, kind of in a, a mellow, you know, low-key, low-pace, um, very yeah. acoustic. And and so, you know, Brian really shines in, um, I guess what I'd call sort of the tough strut, you know, jangly, yeah, yeah, yeah. birdsy, you know... Um, yeah, his version of like the alt country thing, if I may use that kind of yeah, mm-hmm. revered but yet uh, somewhat, it's a term that some people, you know, like Wilco, didn't want to have that right. label. On we them. could just say post burrito brothers. Yeah, post burrito brothers. But <laughs> but Brian's version of that, that uh-huh. intersection of like country and rock, um, is more muscular. It's right. more amped up. It's mm-hmm. more like yeah, what word you just used a second ago. Maybe I'm using the same word, but there's a toughness to that. Uh-huh. There's a swagger to that. Right. Whereas a lot of that type of music, and this is not a value judgment to either one, but you know, some of that can be very traditional, mm-hmm. like poop kicking straight right. up. Whereas Brian, you know, he's informed by stuff that's not just yeah country or you know, it's it's there's definitely a lot. Like his, he likes to to bend a g string as much as the next guy, but he's informed by a lot more of those yeah. types of things. And, you know, you can, if you go through Dwight's band, it's interesting. You talk to, you look at any of those musicians, mm. Mitch and Eugene, you know, these aren't players who grew up specifically playing country. Right. They grew up as musicians and then country is a part of the thing that they do. Right. In any case. But in Brian's case, you just wanted someone who could take it in different places wherever you wanted to mm-hmm. go. Yeah. And again, knowing, I mean, having him, having seen him perform with a wide range of people, you know, he really has that versatility and that, yeah. again, the word he used, sympathy, you know, sympathetic players where right, they're going right. to listen and respond. And in fact, at some point he said, you know, 
you know, there's no, there's like really only one or two solos, like kind of that, you know, your songs aren't written with guitar solos. Right. So we're not just going to shove them in there because that's what you do. Right. You know, um, and all the way down to on, um, on a song, My Own Only, there's this very cool, drippy, you know, um, uh, like Wurlitzer, I think it was, keyboard and just, um, yeah, just the availability to to take the sound a lot of different places. Yeah. Now, the specifically you know, your specific choice for Brian, it seems like to me, was based on the fact that he, there was an understanding that he would also be the player. Yes. Because sometimes, uh-huh. who's going to be doing this? Because with a lot of producers, some producers, although they may be musicians, some aren't exactly, and they're not going to have their hands on an instrument at any point. Right. No, they're it was definitely the process. Yeah, it was definitely wanting him to play and sing. You know, he's right. a beautiful singer and and sings with me on several of the songs. Okay. And it sounds like you're pretty happy with the work he did. Oh, yes. Very happy. Yeah. Well, we love Brian. I mean, he's he's been on the What's show. What's not he, to love? He bears the unique distinction of being the only musician to have his own show on here twice on Independence Day. And cool. I think it warrants it because he's a great guy and he's going places. Brian. Yeah. Can't wait for your next record. Indeed. Don't let the bastards get you down, man. No. Keep it up. Uh, so let's talk a little bit, you know, this kind of leads me to the next thing I want to discuss, but I want you to play a song first, but I'm going to set this up. Your singing style is very, I just, when I was listening to this, to do the pre-production for this, it sounds very easy, Mm. as in, not easy as in simpleton or not talented, but it's it's natural, I guess, might be a better Mm. phrase. And I want to talk about where that came from, you know, where it, you know, that has a genesis somewhere in your past and why this is your style. Um, But let's, let's say, let's play this after the song. So what's this first song going to be? And then we'll come back and talk a little bit about your voice. Let's um, hear it first, and yeah, then we'll talk about it. Yeah, this would be the single, we'll say, for the album, and it's called Come See About Loving Me. Okay, so very happy to have Amy Blaschke at Independence Day. Let us dig this. Give me love in the winter So soft it's spring I won't fight Let's bury everything Come see about loving me I'm sad but I'm free Give me love in the summer So strong I'll fall Come see about loving me I'm sad but I'm free If you've been chasing waterfalls and waiting though he never calls forget it No need to go get it a magnet moves the earth to it It stays in place, it never quits Forget it, no need to go get it Give me love through the seasons So true it rings 
Armstrong. Her name is Amy Blaschke. She's my guest on Independence Day this week. You can drop by her website, amyblaschke.com. And now might be a good time to actually tell people how that's spelled. Sure thing. Is this German? Yes. German? Okay. It's got to be with all those, those consonants yeah. in there. Yeah. Schul. Schul. Uh, Amy, traditional spelling, A-M-Y-B-L-A-S-C-H-K-E, Blaschke. That's right. Good, strong, like, well, good German name. All right, so you can drop by amyblaschke.com to learn about her. She's got great stuff on there, audio and video and other fun things. Facebook.com slash Amy Blaschke Music. Twitter, you can follow her at Amy underscore Blaschke. So we were talking about, we're going to get into your voice here a little bit because it's such a big part of what you do. Your singing style is, it's kind of unadorned in a way. Mm. It's a very naturalistic singing style. Uh, it, it's reminiscent of Nico Case is one of the people that mm. kind of comes to mm-hmm. mind when I think of your voice. Uh, there's a singer from a band from New York called Hem, which we were had the good fortune of having on the oh, show, cool. uh, Sally yeah. Ellison. Uh, hers is a little airier than yours, but it's still a very natural singing style. Like you're not over. That's over singing is a very popular thing in our right. modern age. Like lots of adornments and lots of little right. trills and glissandos and uh, the Mariah Carey thing. Kind of was right. the, the voice that sank a thousand ships. But yours is easy. And where did that where, for you? Like, was there something you heard growing up? A particular singer or a particular um, band or someone you I knew? I can't say. That I sing that way out of influence. I think that's just the natural voice that comes out. But I would say, you know, what might what might be part of that is that I find the whole process of of singing and playing very relaxing. So it's, you know, the activity is more like of a trance or a meditation than you know a workout. So there's that. And then you know, as far as what I was exposed to early on that I found very influential. You know, we talked about Neil Young and then Joni Mitchell. But, you know, Joni Mitchell has quite a lot going on in her voice sometimes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and I guess just aesthetically, you know, I uh, we talked about nature. I mean, I, I like it when things are naturally beautiful, you know, that they don't need, um, you know, bells and whistles. Yeah. The beauty is an interesting thing in music because I think a lot of people are afraid to do or reluctant to do beautiful music. Because earnestness, both in harmonics and in voice, can, you know, earnestness, a little bit of earnestness can go a long way sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when it's pure, which I, I get the impression, like just looking at you, I can tell this, like your earnestness, your natural voice is the real deal. Capital R, capital D. So, I mean, and I feel like that comes through in the music very, very mm. much. So, I mean, where, did you come from a musical family? Like, take me back to your roots. I mean, um, were you, was there singing in your household? My mom plays piano beautifully, uh-huh. And she, you know, there would be many nights where I'd be going to bed and she'd be playing Joni Mitchell on okay. the piano. And she sings some, and, uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up being able to go to the piano as a child and, and then, of course, hearing her play. 
And um, it's funny, I really didn't get into, we didn't listen to a lot of recorded music, though, um, probably until I was 10 or so, and then I, like, discovered the radio. <laughs> okay. But, um, and then m her parents, my grandparents, who, you know, I spent a lot of time with them, we would, I'd, like, sit in the middle of their Buick, and we'd go along our merry way on the road singing together. So, okay. yeah, there was a lot of singing and joyfulness in my okay. youth. So what, but take me back though, like what, give me a song or a band or an album, like what was being sung, like when the whole family, because it's, you know, for if it's going to be kids and adults singing together, like I've got this memory in my mind, I have an aunt and uncle driving around in a convertible in uh -huh. Alabama on vacation when I was a kid, and they were singing like, Go Go GTO or whatever song, and they were singing it in harmony, and I, I was like nine, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the whole I world. I mean, the song, they were like, you know, old songs, like, um, around the corner and under a tree, a sergeant major said unto me, okay, and that's around, and yeah. then like, um, marezy dotes and dozy dotes, okay. little ant, like, so old-timey yeah. stuff. Yeah, like almost like, like campfire just, songs, yeah, sort of. harmless. <laughs> <laughs> Not popular music, you know? Well, it was popular at one yes, point. Yes, at Very one popular. point, yeah. It's, it's, it's so popular that it is, it's transcended <laughs> that it popularity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but there wasn't a lot of recorded music, you said. No, I mean, uh, that's occurred to me. I mean, my mom had a few albums, but she, that's something that she didn't keep with her. And, you know, there wasn't um, like a stereo set up really. You know, there was like maybe a boombox. But uh, I remember she had, um, you know, a Bonnie Raitt record that she listened to a lot. I mean, not a record, CD. Um but then really just hearing her play the piano. And then as a teenager, I discovered a stash of cassette tapes, one of which was Joni Mitchell Blue. So okay. that was probably, you know, perfectly what yeah, a perfect yeah, yeah. album to get exposed to. And so fortunate for you that you didn't run across like, you know, a fifth dimension cassette or <laughs> a... Uh, I don't know what would be Milli Vanilli cassette and become... Because kids right. kind of... People eat what they're fed. Yeah, I well, and, like, you, you know, know like, I'm some 19... people don't know any better than to eat, eat to consume right. Milli Vanilli or whatever, something yeah. that's kind of prepackaged and like right. served to us, you know? Yeah, and I'm born in 1980, so, you know, the 80s had some unfortunate stuff going on, but uh, I'm a huge fan of ELO, and I, you know, that movie Xanadu, huh. you know, I saw yeah. that as a kid, and then, you know, at 16, tried to have a Xanadu sleepover, and nice. my friends were like, not on board. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were probably at that point. It's probably new kids on the block. Maybe what they were into. I mean, that was no, that was earlier. But okay. um, yeah, I've always, you know, responded to melody and um. But yeah, thank goodness that Joni Mitchell tape yeah. showed up early. Okay, so I want to play another song in a minute, but I also want to address one more question before we get to it. Um, and gosh, like, let's just say we're thinking about her. I sure hope. Oh uh, yeah. Wish her. Recovery for her health and yeah, very, hope very everyone's so. thinking about her a lot. And that's one thing people forget. Like the dinosaurs of our genre are still with us. Oh my God, Two yeah. of the Beatles are still alive. That's Sadly, amazing. we've lost two of them. I saw Paul McCartney at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Like you think, I mean, we're going to lose some pretty... I mean, we've lost Bo Diddley. We've lost, you know, Muddy Waters. We've lost like some of the Titans. But Chuck right. is still with us. Chuck Berry, yeah. the guy practically invented rock and roll. Yeah. He's still here. You know, we're going to lose these people in the next few years. Yeah, and as far as the folkies, I mean, big players, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Johnny Mitchell, still on yeah. the planet. Bill Monroe's still gone, but then every, I mean, everyone that generation below them is mm -hmm. still here and still active, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that leads me, you know, to that was a little bit of a side note here. But what, 
I, I love this question because I want, I want someone to ask this question of me someday, <laughs> which is what is your earliest musical memory? Like as a, as a child, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to I mean, it can be well, your mom singing. It yeah, can be my an mom, album you heard yeah. at the store. It can be a kid you heard playing guitar at the family reunion. Like, yeah, what? no, my mom wrote me a diaper changing song. Amy Rosie Toes and Amy Rosie Nose and so on. So sweet. Wow. Yeah. So your mom's a songwriter. You yeah. Can, you come by this. Yeah, she's honestly. very creative. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So th- do you think it's so far back in your memory because it was written into your DNA like while she was changing your diaper when you were less than like two? I don't know. Maybe. I can't. I can't make any uh, deductions about yeah. that. I mean, musical memories are funny. They're different from other things. You know, I feel like we have, you know, we have our senses, our five senses that we know and then other senses that we may not know. Yeah. But like we remember like our earliest, because when you're a kid, all those senses are so raw and so new and you're in, your brain is in right mode. Everything is going in. Right. You know, you're, you're all the, the, the mores and all the things of your whole life, which will define the rest of your life are being programmed into mm-hmm. you either you know by accident like you're everything you see goes in there yeah it's the first time you've seen a tree or a bird or eaten applesauce or whatever you know so i, I don't know, i just i love those early early yeah. things i think they define a lot of things yeah well certainly i i mean that's got to have an effect on your brain right to have yeah have a song go in like that and just um back to what you were saying about sort of the quality of it i mean you know that song was meant to to soothe right to calm and and the power of, of music for that. Yeah. Well, hey, yay, mom. Yay, mama. Yay, mom. Moms should and dads, too. They should all sing to their babies. Yeah. I think everyone should sing to everyone. Babies should sing all the time, everywhere. Singing's for everyone, yeah. I was, you know, I'm, this is totally off topic and totally distracting, but I was thinking about this the other day, how I was walking the dog around the block. Dorothy June. She's here somewhere sleeping. Dorothy June. Uh, and, we've, you know, I tend to talk to my mother on the the on my phone when mm-hmm. I'm walking the dog because she's far away and I want to, I talk to her essentially every day because I love mom. She's the best. And I couldn't talk to my mom that day. She had something going on. And so sometimes I'll play music. Uh, and I think lately I've started jogging to music. I got some app on my phone just to kind of track my progress. And I was like, well, I don't like carrying the phone, but I'll, let's just try it. Right. So now I've done like, I think 250 kilometers so far this year, some crazy amount. And, but the point of this whole thing is that I was, I just I was walking. I was like, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm in I'm in writing songwriting mode. I'm not going to listen to music. Um, so I I actually physically took the earbuds out of my ears, and it was like the Wizard of Oz, yeah. going from black and white to color, walking around the block and looking at every single person looking down at their phone, yeah, and being on headphones. And I'm not going to rant about it. I'm not saying it's essentially bad, but it is different, mm-hmm. and we're not connected to the world, yeah, and our own. We don't let our minds wander because what if there's input, your mind's not going to wander right. as much. So I took, put the headphones away and I'm like, damn, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, you start to hear the leaves and the birds and the street sounds. You, we, we're missing out on that wandering, that mental mm-hmm. wandering. And I think that's where create, I mean, my creativity is stunted, I think, because it's always mm. input everywhere you go. Right. So there's a TV at the gas station talking to you now. Right. Yeah. We live in a unique time where you have to make an effort to yeah. avoid input. You know what we need, Amy? We need to find the big <laughs> giant switch that just shuts it all down. Unplug? Just unplug. Shut it all down. Won't that be exciting? To... Yeah. Well, I'll see you in Yosemite. Uh, <laughs> how about another song? Okay. Uh, so now we'll hear Just Roses. Just Roses. And this is also on, on Opaline. Opaline, Okay, which is mm-hmm. coming out not too terribly long from now. Amy Blaschke with another fantastic song on Independence Day. Mm-hmm. 
just a string of roses no stem no thorn just roses just a string of roses no leaves no roots just roses and of all the things that run to you let me be the one that you run to just a string of roses no stem no thorn just roses just a string of roses no leaves no roots just roses and of all the things you hope to be let us be a hope you share with me I know you hope to be free at least for sight and clarity I know you hope for family at least you share one hope with me just a string of roses no stem, no thorn, just roses Just a string of roses No leaves, no roots, just roses Just roses Just roses Just roses. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Thank you very, very much for doing so. I work very, very hard to bring you guys great artists, and this week's artist is no exception. She is Amy Blaschke. She's from Seattle, lives in Los Angeles now. She's got her fifth album coming out very soon. Man, that's a lot of records. Uh, fifth album coming out. It's called Opaline, coming out just this fall, which isn't that terribly long away. Uh, you can learn about Independence Day at indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Follow us on Twitter at indepday. And also, you can do the same with Amy Blaschke. It's Amy underscore Blaschke, B-L-A-S-C-H-K-E. A lot of Germans where I grew up. Yeah. So it's, it's not uh, unusual for me. A lot of mm. Europeans in the area where I grew up. Yeah. So tell me now, let's go, let's kind of, we're kind of jumping back and forth in time here. Take me to your high school years. Such important years. <laughs> Glad it's over. Describe, describe yourself <laughs> in high school. Like which archetype were you like? Good in, student. Like in. Good student, loner. So were felt... you Molly Ringwald then from, um, oh uh, gosh, what's the uh, sure. John Hughes movie? Pretty in Pink? No, no, the no, one no. where they're all in detention. Oh, oh, right. Oh, I'm drawing a Good blank Lord well. Almighty. Um, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, of course. Breakfast Club. Yeah. So you're Molly Ringwald. Uh, I guess. The, she was the studious one. Yeah, I mean, I've Female. always, like, not wanted to get in trouble. No one had to tell me to do my homework, you know, did well in school. Uh, 
didn't really want to hang out with everyone, had a few friends and, you know, big loner. Were you playing music in, in school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a guitar when I was 13. Were you involved in like school music stuff? Um, like band? Did you play clarinet, I played clarinet. or marching band yep, or anything like that? I sure like did. That? I nailed it. Look yeah. at that. You look like a clarinet player. <laughs> I wanted to play trumpet in fifth grade, but it was like all the cool girls were going to play clarinet. Cool. Was like, okay, I see. You know, it was like, oh, okay, the boys are playing trumpet and drums and the girls play clarinet. Okay. okay. I'll give in to that. Interesting. And uh, for some reason, clarinet sounded cooler than orchestra, although looking back, you know, these things don't make any sense. It's so... Yeah, yeah. A matter well, of the status quo. Who knows? You make decisions with the information you have yeah, at the exactly. time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and at the time, clarinet was badass. Right, so. and I had no idea that I'd play a stringed instrument later. So, but yeah, so I played clarinet um, through middle school and a little bit into high school, I guess. And then I switched over into choir at some point. But um, yeah, I started playing guitar at 13. I mean, yeah, thank goodness for my mama. She definitely was receptive for my you know, from to my creativity and, you know, as a young woman at some point, I was like, I think it'd be really cool if I play guitar, you know, and then the following Christmas, her and my uncle went in and I got a classical guitar and she said, all right, you, you know, you learn, I got like also like a chord chart. She said, okay, once you've learned, I don't know if it was three or five chords, then you can take some guitar lessons. Okay. And it took me a while to self-motivate and learn those chords, but then yeah. I did. And then and then I took a few lessons, but mostly it's been just self-taught, and I started writing pretty much right away. Do you remember the name of your first song? <laughs> yeah. What is it? I Feel Shattered. Okay. Teen, teen, Such angst. Teen drama? Yeah. Just like, no, I mean, yeah, just like sensitive and moody, like, ah, yeah. everything's too much. Yeah. You can't but, take it? <laughs> I love that stuff. My, young, my youngest <laughs> sister, when she, she's uh, 12 years younger than me when she was young, you know, my, my she was listening to some really aggressive, like I don't know if it was metal music or whatever. And my my mom was like, "Well, why, you know, why is your you know why is your music so whatever it is?" And she's like, "Well, it helps me." My sister said, "It helps me get the anger out." Mm. And my mom <laughs> replied, "I love this reply because especially now that you get older, you see it from the older perspective. Right. You're like, what do you have? To, what are you so angry about? Right. You know." So my default was like sad, not angry. Yeah. You know? And I guess you kind of get. Probably more of one or the other. Yeah, but there's such... <laughs> if there's one benefit to being sad or to being depressed, is it's there's quiet. such rich... Well, it's quiet. <laughs> there's, there's such rich artistic territory to yeah. be mine mm -hmm. for that I mean, it's really just stuff. a mood that brings in thoughtfulness. Okay. Right. So what music were you listening to at that point? Then? Was it still the Joni Mitchell mm. stuff? or had uh, you, I, mean, I was really into Liz Fair. I okay. found uh, that Exile... In Guyville. In Guyville, and I really dug that record. Um, because you were in Seattle at this point. Uh-huh. And to like tie it in chronologically, grunge had hit, and Seattle was the place. Yeah, but I was definitely a... So I mean, I was into Nirvana like anyone else, but um, I was always more of like a soft folky, and I was just like, I guess, at the tail end of Generation X. So, um, you know, I wasn't... Uh, yeah, I didn't have that like desire for the like I got more into rock the older I got, but Okay. Um what else was I listening to around then? I mean, Seattle was a great great city to, you know, there was a lot of all ages venue venues and I so I started going to see live music. So, which also was like participating in a community. Like I was singing for and listening to other young friends that were making music and a lot of them are still you know doing it today played a show recently with a guy 
Tomo, and uh, he's still at it, and um, Yuki Matthews, who's done some some great collaborations with other people, and uh, yeah. too hard to list everybody. What, um, <clears throat> so I feel like everyone's got like the... When you were in high school, uh-huh. a contrast, compare and contrast, like a teacher, compare and contrast. <gasps> the t- the albums that were... Like you know, we were we were kind of screwing around. We played some Jimmy Buffett earlier, and we were uh-huh. setting up. I don't know, came up because I'm wearing flip flops, and you started right. singing Margaritaville. So, like in my high school, every party you would go to in Batavia at the time, you would hear Bob Marley's Legend, you would hear um, The Doors' Greatest Hits, you would hear uh, Boston's One. Right. You know, some of these albums were a little late at that point. These weren't albums that were charting at the time. These right. were albums that were a little bit older. Um, and you would hear Steve mm-hmm. Miller's greatest hits at every single party, right? Regardless of anything, it seems like. Um, what were the albums? I mean, were, was it? Well, yeah. So because of the, I guess the musicianship of a lot of the friends I had, you know, they were kind of. We were all sort of into like you know digging into independent record labels. Like I know, you know, My Bloody Valentine and um, uh, what was um. Oh my gosh, it's so hard to go back back then. Maybe we'll come back to that. Yeah. Nothing comes right up. Um But then what well, I guess what I was gonna ask you is like then that there's that, but then there's like was there a tape that you wore out like in high school or a, a disc that you just played incessantly to the point where your mother was like, you know, Amy Blatchkey's not playing that song. I'm gonna Yeah, I mean, well that Joni Mitchell and Liz Fair for sure. I mean, I became pretty obsessed with her music. And um what else did I listen to over and over again? Um, I mean, I, I take that approach whenever I discover something, you know, I mean, like that album Tusk, you know, I mean, I'll, yeah. some things become sort of instant favorites, instant classics. Do you ever fall in love with an album? Like, oh, yeah. Almost like a relationship? Oh, yeah. I'd most definitely. Yeah. And I, I really love yeah. it when you, you know, when it takes a while to get into the lyrics takes a while to learn the, the backup yeah. vocals, you know, just really something you can move in on. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, there's a, for me at least, there's a romantic connection yeah. in a classical sense mm-hmm. to, you know, I think about an album like Southeastern, Jason Isbell's record that came out a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Like I, I liked him going into that record, so I was probably predisposed to like it anyway. Uh-huh. But I heard it, and I still remember, I was washing dishes. He streamed it before it was released. I remember like listening to it because the first time you hear a record, it kind of goes past and you kind of catch some of the lyrics. Unless you're sitting, almost nobody sits in like f- in front of the speakers quietly right? in the dark and listens to the music as a whole experience. Like you're usually doing something. Right. And the lyrics kind of went past and I was like, wow, that's, that's really, really good. Yeah. And then, or sometimes like uh, you'll have an album, you'll get it and you'll listen to it and it won't connect with you. Right. And then six months later, you'll pop it in your car stereo as you're driving around. You'll think, holy, yeah. but be- Jesus, that record There's is amazing. There's like a timing, yeah. But then something happens where it's just like meeting a new person. You know, it's like, oh my God, this album, I'm going to describe this album like a girl. Like, oh my God, she's got the best personality and yeah. she won't stop talking. She <laughs> talks about the most amazing things and I'm so hot for this album. I can't <gasps> stand it. And it's literally like a rom- like a romantic right. love. Like yeah. there's the endorphins and the whole thing. And like you, when you're at work and you're doing other stuff, you can't stop thinking about this album because mm-hmm. all you want to do is get done with work so you can go home and listen to the record. Does that happen for you too? Yeah. It totally happens Yeah. But back to what you were asking earlier, I'm remembering that um, Elliot Smith and Mary Lou Lord like I really got okay. into that Kill Rock Stars 
some of that stuff and got to see them both play a bunch. And so, you know, I really, I guess, found singer songwriters that I, that, that I resonated with. Um, but yeah, she was great. Yeah. And of course, Elliot Smith and, um, yeah, that either or record, I mean, just burning that one out. Does, Mm -hmm. does sad music make you happy? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it necessarily makes me happy, but it makes me feel good, you know? Yeah, well, I, I mean, guess that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and it's mean... kind of what you're talking about, where, like, whatever it's doing to my brain chemistry, yeah. that works for me, I you don't know? mean, like, cheer you up like medicine. Right. Like, you take a pill, and all of a sudden, you, you know, eat this song as a pill, and all of a sudden, yeah. you're happy. I just mean that I... I it I, takes me there, I yeah. derive physical pleasure. Yes. Like, cause I feel like, you know, but you, I have this one song, though, that never fails to make me happy. Probably could never guess what? in a million years. I can see clearly now <laughs> the rain is gone. It's such an amazing song. Yeah. And it's earnest and it's shiny and bright. And right. Boo-dip, boo-dip, those like little yeah, studios, yeah, little horn, those little sounds. flutey type things uh-huh. come in there. And then when he, Johnny Nash, kicks in with that tenor. I thought that song was sung by a woman huh. for <gasps> up until like 10 years ago. It's like, holy crap, that's a dude. Yeah. Such a beautiful voice. And there's that crazy bridge with those tumbling chords and it comes Look back in again. Yeah. There's nothing but blue sky. Yeah, it's pretty tremendous. And then, now I'm going off on this, but but that's the one song. So I recommend that to anybody. If you're yeah. feeling low, play that song and I'll be damned if you don't feel better. The one that I've been, uh, I um, re- recently resurrected some Blondie and I've just been eating up the Picture This single. Uh-huh. Okay. It has Picture This and Fade Away and Radiate on the other side and they couldn't be more different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I love, and you know, you capture this or... You hear it with Lindsay Buckingham or just how the sort of the fascination with the 50s in the 80s. Yeah, like yeah. I love where you hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the picture of this really has that going on. But yeah, I, I, I love, you know, I think a lot of people, right, you sort of make a study of, 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 of a song for a while yeah. and then some point you move on <laughs> yeah you've got this. okay so let's 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 get another song in i think mm-hmm. now's the perfect opportunity because this is the title track that you're going to play from this brand yeah. new record when we come back i want to talk about the writing process for this album okay. how you go through writing songs and where how it goes from like a melody you're humming while you're walking in the woods mm-hmm. or sitting at you know making food or whatever to this you know, where like the nitty gritty of how that happens. But first, play this for us. All right. Okay. Tell me a little about this song. Opaline. Yeah. The title track. Yeah. And um, about the song or about the yeah, title? Yeah. Specific song. Um, yeah. Well, it's one that I would definitely describe as a, an impression. Um, to me, it's sort of a, a call to freedom. You know, the lyric hang in the wind. Like, I just imagine like what it's like when you're just. Uh, you know, like if you're hanging from the clothesline unhindered, no pressure to be anything other than simple and honest. And it's got a little bit of a, a call to peace and equality, you know. Um, and, uh, and God knows we could use that. Yeah. Just Troubled times. Love is all you need, right? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think so. All right. Amy Blasky, beautiful song, Opaline on Independence Day. Colors on 
portions of peace overcome we still have a long way we gotta go we still have a whole lot of love we gotta show so take my hand and love me now don't count the sand you'll never know and if I Would you defy your mind you put upon that soul? You'd win again, that's all. You'd win again, that's all. You'd win again. That's all you'd win again So I'll never tell you That honesty comes easily Could you accept your life and change your mind? Once again, another fantastic song, Amy Blaschke on Independence Day. Drop by her website, amyblaschke.com. Also follow her on Twitter at Amy underscore Blaschke, B-L-A-S-C-H-K-E. Does, has your name ever been kind of a thing <laughs> with like promoters? Like do people have a hard time and, spelling it? Yes. Yeah. Or do they oh, mangle yeah. it? What do they say when they mangle it? Uh, it's been, well, it's more like it's been misspelled many okay. times on you know, in print, uh, sh- show flyers. You and Rod Melanson to do a tour together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I get B-L-A-S-H-K-E-K-Y. Sometimes, yeah, they leave out the C. Um, Blaschka, uh, they, yeah. or they think it's S-K-I, like more Polish. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's been troublesome. Yeah. But you stuck with it. Yeah, it's my name. Yeah, it's your name. You know, that's the thing. When your name is Joe Armstrong, nobody, although I've had it. I've had people screw it up. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. How? The weird thing in California, I live on mm. a street that has a French name, Lafayette. Right. But in LA, it's, uh, Spanish is a more prevalent language by right. a long shot. So I get some mail addressed to La Space Fayette Street as it's the Spanish <laughs> article as right. in the Fayette. Right. But not Lafayette the Frenchman, which is interesting. Different. In any case, little little side note there. Um, so, you know, first of all, man, what a great song. You know, as, as I'm listening to you play this, and it's going past, and I'm watching you do this thing, you know, it starts off with, it's, it's the finger-picking style is one thing that's pretty cool, too, because you're facile with that. 
you know, like Thank one, you. someone who, uh, James Taylor is mm-hmm. very facile with his it's finger great. picking. Um, cause there's kind of like the ham fisted thing. Um, you can finger pick, you know, like, uh, Sam Beam from Iron and Wine does right. all his work with two fingers. Right. You know, and then you've got guys like Leo Kotke, who it seems like he's got 30 fingers. Yeah. For me, you I know? guess it's three fingers. It's three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I learned that late in the game. So that was a challenge learning that kind of style. Um, but you've got interesting chords. You've got, you know, especially with the solo version, like as a, a person who's produced music, I'm listening to it and there's like, or I can hear other parts. I've mm-hmm. never heard the actual fully produced song, but there's orchestrated parts. The, the song changes, you know, as it goes through. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, yeah. solo, verse, chorus, out, whatever. Um, and and you, the, I'm trying to think, you know, that probably came from somewhere. But like, when I think about this, how do you decide what goes into a particular song? Right. Like you've got like your idea, like you start monkeying around with this chord change and this lyric over it. And then do you start with one or the other? Like, do you start with guitar and then a voice thing kind of tumbles over it? Do you sometimes come up with voice on its own? Um, you know, it varies, but there's usually like, um, a joint impulse between like melody and lyric. And I mean, the best, what feels the most natural is when just sitting around playing and then sort of the melody, the vocal melody and a guitar part kind of emerge together. Okay. And then usually there's like a, you know, an opening lyric. And then, you know, I have a lot of stuff that kind of rhymes simply and I, I really like that that game, you know, of just like finding tidy rhymes. But then okay. I also like... Uh, Brian called this one a suite, you know, where it yeah, kind of just has movements. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm more tend to that kind of openness when, you know, I, I either write in standard tuning or I write in an open tuning and this isn't an open tuning. And um, it really just like uh, provides a lot of mystery and openness where, you kind of just don't like, cause you know, you're not thinking in terms of this is that chord. And right. I like that, you know, like you brought up wandering before and it really promotes that creativity for me where I'm just kind of like, Oh, well that sounds nice. And where could it go? And, and so a lot of times, you know, just work on one part for a while and then maybe another part comes together and then eventually you amass a certain number of parts yeah. and then it's kind of like, well, how is this going to fit together? And that, you know, that process really varies. But this one I started, you know, and just had the, you know, the first part and played with that for quite a while, I think, before. I mean, you know, I have songs that just write themselves in one yeah. sitting. Is that the best thing in the world? It's the when best that thing in the world. It is so, I mean, tidy is the word that just keeps coming to mind, you know, just, you know, pops out fully formed. And then there's others where it's been really years where I'll like, oh, what about that part? Yeah, yeah. From this other thing. Oh, or that lyric, would that be cool here? Yeah. And then it's just like you've been carrying it along until it finds a home. Yeah. I, my favorite metaphor for songwriting mm. is they're, they're kind of like children. Yeah. Like some kids kind of raise themselves. Yeah. They're not going to get into trouble. They're not going to, you know, they're going to rebel a little bit because they've got to be their own thing. They're going to be what they want to be. But they're just going to kind of do their thing and they're going right. to show up and they're not going to make trouble. Some songs, man, it's like some kids... You know, this as soon as they can walk, they're climbing the cabinet. As soon as they can <laughs> run, they're running into the street. As soon as they're old enough to have a bike, they're twenty miles away. As soon as they're in the car, they're speeding and drinking. It's like Yeah. And it's like, come on, kid. You know, I'm just trying to get you right into adulthood. I'm trying to get you into the world. 
And I'll be damned if you're not making it impossible right. to do. And I guess the reason I bring this up is that when I'm, I've the, several examples of your songs as I'm listening to them, uh, they sound like they could be split into three separate songs mm. or like those are ideas like that could comprise on their own other songs. Yeah, and and you what know, makes you decide to put them all together? Well, you know, um, that's funny. Yeah. Cause there's something I'm working on now where it started out as two different song impulses and I'm trying to bring them together. And you know who I love that, that, has interesting changes is you know Paul McCartney's solo yeah, stuff. Yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. a really big fan of you know dramatic turns or just interesting turns. Yeah. So I think that just appeals to me musically. So sometimes I will see if like oh yeah. can we put these two things together like on it on its own it may be sort of simple or not predictable but you know like not surprising. But then when you put them together, that's where the surprise is. Yeah. And another thing I've really, I've noticed about your music and people, uh, this, this is, it's nice to hear in anybody's music, um, especially when someone's doing a solo thing where it's simpler, you have to do more with less, right. you have to do a lot with what you have, um, is that you, you leave space for music without vocals mm. in your songs. It's something that I've noticed. It's kind of like an Amy Blaschke characteristic mm. where, uh, a lot of people they'll be playing a song and there's a you know there's verses and there's like they especially if they're doing them solo they'll shorten those interludes right so they're not just playing a musical part but for you it's integral to what the right. song is those those changes and the movements and the and the different like the the sweet type right uh, approach to writing it yeah i think um you know i've pretty much always performed and written solo and um Certainly as a live performer, you're immediately hit with the challenge of it being interesting and engaging, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and I think that's been, I mean, it's inevitably a big part of the process of cultivating, you know, your writing and your performing skills, you know, is to how do you be a one lady band, right? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but uh, I think that's another reason I like finger picking is because it immediately, to me, has more melodic dynamic or yeah. rhythmic a little more movement yeah mm -hmm. and more intricate mm -hmm. allows you to do different things mm -hmm. okay I mean, so we, we spent a lot of time talking about like your process and your writing of songs mm -hmm. and how you approach it um and that's a lot of times i ask people you know bring in a cover just to see what right. they bring it's always curious to see like I, I never would have guessed that you would bring in this particular song huh. so tell me why you chose this one first tell us what it is uh blue eyes crying in the rain and then why why that song um i just love it i mean i I, I mean, we talked a little bit about sadness and melancholia in songs, and it's definitely got that. It's a romantic ballad. Yeah. Um, yeah, just something about the melody. Uh, and then um, at some point I, you know, I, I looked it up and I had never heard the, the second verse. And um, I guess I, I, I love music that has a quality of longing to yeah, it. Yeah. And this really has that. And I enjoy singing it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly, fairly simple as well, yeah. which I like. Elegant simplicity is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's hear this. This is Amy Blasky singing the song that we all know from, um, Hank. Willie Nelson uh, and Hank Williams. Hank Williams, Willie Nelson. I think Hank's the version that I know most, mm. uh, written by Fred Rose. So a beautiful, beautiful song. Amy Blasky, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. Thank you. 
twilight glow I see him Blue eyes crying in the rain When we kissed goodbye and parted I knew we'd never meet again Love is like a dying I'll remember Blue eyes crying in the rain Now my hair it turns to silver All my life I've loved in vain And I can see star in heaven blue eyes crying in the rain someday when we meet up yonder we'll stroll hand in hand again in the land that knows no parting blue eyes crying in the rain Someday when we meet up yonder We'll stroll hand in hand again Through the ages I'll remember Blue eyes crying in the rain Blue eyes crying voice singing a song that just about everybody knows. Thank you, Amy. That was wonderful. Thank you. Very, very cool. So, man, I can't thank you enough taking time out of your busy schedule, coming out here and talking to us. Uh, I hope everyone picks up the record when it comes out. You've got several other ones that people can pick up on your website as well. You've got Desert Varnish, which came out in 2013. Uh, Night Canopy, which was something that used to be a duo. It's now kind of branded under your name uh, of 2007. You've got a self-titled record from 2000. Are these all, do you have copies of all these available or downloads yeah. or what? Mm-hmm. Yep, um, they're all available on iTunes and um, CDs. Desert Varnish can be ordered from CD Baby or also um, my friends in Seattle have an online uh, music store at a, at a time they've had a label and they also do uh, band t-shirts for a lot of great Seattle bands and sub pop. There's a sub pop affiliation and they're called lucky horse industries. Okay. Uh, James Bertram and Amanda Graham, you know, great Seattle people that have just been invested in the local scene for ages. Yeah. So lucky horse com, and you can find earlier releases there as well as lots of cool merch for other Northwest artists. Yeah, and the thing is, like, so many people, I mean, support local artists. If, if you hear music you like, buy it. I tell people this all the time. And buy it from the artist at the show if you can. Right. Cut mm-hmm. out the middleman. Cut out, I mean, cut yes, out Yes, and Apple. I do still bring copies of, of all those CDs all the way back to 99. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that's <laughs> that's music. That's money that's going to go into the pocket of the artist, you know. And almost no one I know is doing this to get rich. If mm-hmm. they wanted to get rich, they would have gone into banking or insurance yeah. or something else much more. Pharmaceuticals. We're doing, we're doing this for love with a capital L, and you're no exception to that. So pick up the record, and uh, very very happy to announce the new record. Opaline is going to be released on vinyl, which is like the coolest thing ever. It'll this is your first time. Vinyl? Yeah, so oh, excited. Man. I'm you're my idol. <sighs> right now, your next album's coming out in Oh vinyl. my God. And um, actually, just on Sunday, well, in the recent past, got to do a, a photo shoot for the album art, which I'm really excited. I'm working with the same photographer who did the artwork for Desert Varnish. Her name is Ixchel Lara, I X C H E L A R A. Beautiful photographer, you know, doing Polaroids and other film double exposures. So we're going to, you know, be getting that work back soon. And then I'm going to work with an artist, Brendan Missit, who's going to do, you know, kind of a hands-on collage for the layout. So it's not going to be, you know, digital really at all. We'll yeah. get it all done by hand and then scan that puppy in and, and we'll see it. how beautiful to see it on a big giant. Yeah. Think of, think of, I bet those artists are like chomping at the bit. They've got all this wait. real estate to work I with. Know. It's, not the, it's one thing that we lost with CDs and lost completely. <laughs> With the with digital, digital yeah. Thing. You get a t- you know, lighter yeah. notes, which are my favorite thing, and then a tiny little picture. It's a little right. tiny little icon. Yeah, and sometimes just the front, you know, like the back yeah. um, image is always so yeah. great too. So really great to get to have a tangible yeah, piece yeah, of yeah. art well, to come out of you know, it. Discs and packaging, that's the original multimedia. Yeah. Man, totally analog. Hold oh, in your hand. And while we're just discussing collaborators and things, I'm also um, pleased to say that I'm working with uh, Phone Home Management, which is my dear old friend, Aaron Tate, uh, who was the drummer of the Seattle band Minus the Bear. And he's struck out fairly recently with his management company, and it's going great for him, working with a lot of artists now. So, um, you know, check them out at Phone Home MGMT. And, uh, .com. Yep. And then, um, and then also, since being in L.A., I work with a, a great licensing agent, Andrea at Castle Peak Music. Yeah, and that's such a big aspect of our our modern musical experience. Yeah, it's really important. You know, artists, we don't really, almost we don't have the luxury of not selling out. Right. Like the only way we can get paid a lot of yeah. times is to get something on a TV show, something on a commercial, a video game or a movie, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, of course, TV and film feels like the most, most sort of creative yeah. wo- way to participate in that. And so... Um, Really happy for to be working with her. Got to get those. I always forget. What's on a twenty? Is it a Hamilton? Is it Hamilton or Ooh. Grant? I forget. I'm terrible. I don't know. I don't have any money, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> what's it. It's like I'm all about the Ham. I'm all about the Hamilton. Well, Hamilton's is a hundred, I think. I'm all about those Lincolns. <laughs> right, the pennies. <laughs> anyway, yeah, pennies. That's what. I, <laughs> that's my thing. So also, all right. So, so just to wrap up, man. Thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you out. so much. Uh, people can see you play live. You've got a couple shows coming up. Uh, just a week uh, next week, I believe. Uh, Tex Restaurant. That's down on Sunset, legendary venue. You're playing with Matthew Van Winkle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, solo with a band? What are you doing? I'll probably have one accompaniment, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then also July 21st, the Grand Ole Echo. We love those shows. They're, they're, they're free before 6 this year, I think, is the new thing. Right, and they're charging right. a minimal cover, I think, after that. But even then, And that'll be full band. Full band. Okay, very nice. That's the Grand Ole Echo with Leslie Stevens. And that's going to be her. July 21st. Those are uh, always Sunday shows. They start in the afternoon. So I certainly hope everyone goes out to see you play. I hope they all pick up this disc because if it's half as good, like I said, this is the second time I've said this, if it's half as good as the stuff you've played today, it's going to be fantastic. Stop by amyblasky.com, soundcloud.com slash amyblasky. 
Blaschke, Amy underscore Blaschke at Twitter, and of course, always at In-Depth Day, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y, where there's a lot of great music there. So thank you so much, Amy. Thank you so much, Joe. What a blast. So thank you to Amy Blaschke, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The genuine Tony Tonelope Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything, please be good to one another.